Welcome to the Community Builder Podcast. The world is our classroom, and every moment is an opportunity to understand human connection at a newer level. On this podcast, we'll explore the minds of active community builders as they strive to leave their imprint on the world. host, Travis King. Let's build. Welcome back to the Community Builder Show, where I explore the minds of active community builders and leaders as they strive to leave their imprint on the world. I'm Travis, your host, and today we're talking about the importance of defining who you are and who you are as a person, excuse me, and how to get through times of transition. And also a little bit about uh, my friend's dive method, uh, which he created. And we also have a surprise at the end of the show, which he's not sure what that's going to be yet, but I can't wait to bring that up. And quickly going to the sponsor message for today. Today's episode is brought to you by Value Solutions. Value Solutions believes in adding value to student athletes by helping them solve the many problems and circumstances that they face in today's steady, challenging society. Justin, my man, welcome to the show. Chad, how we doing, man? Thanks for having me. I'm excited for this one, man. This has been a long time coming for me. I have been wanting to have you on, you know, probably for the last, I don't know, year at least. And just for you guys that don't know, Justin and I, you know, go way, way back, played Little League Baseball together, high school football together, been in touch and stayed friends, obviously, throughout the years. And today I'm super excited because Justin now coaches and mentors student athletes, and he teaches them how to not let their craft or passion define who they are as a person. And he's here to share his story, teach us about his dive method, and share how to get through some of these times of transition. So, Justin, thanks for joining us again. Thanks again for having me, man. Of course. So let's start off with like, why is it important to define who you are as a person first? Like, talk to me a little bit about that. Uh, well, I believe it's important to, you know, to v- define who you are as a person, you know, whether you're an athlete, you know, whether you are just, you know, a regular citizen, whether you're working a nine to five, right? Because especially in athletics, you know, a lot of athletes coming from, um, you know, lower income backgrounds or, you know, coming from middle class backgrounds to where it's like blue collar mentality. And, you know, you you start to identify with, you know, entertainment, right? Whether you're being a, an artist, you start to identify with athletes, you start to end up identify, um, you know, with people that are entertainment because those are the different people that you're exposed to. Um, and these are different careers that you believe that you are the only the only opportunities that you believe you can get. So myself growing up, like you stated, you know, growing up playing sports, three sports pretty much since I was eight to five, you know, I always wanted to be a professional athlete, right? And as I got older, I started to realize, especially like my, I say my junior year in high school, I started to realize that my vehicle was going to be sports, right? It was going to be sports to kind of to help me get on that path of being successful. So, and that, that vehicle was football. Um, so I excelled in high school in football. I was fortunate enough to um, earn an athletic scholarship at Penn State University. Shortly after that, I was able to participate and play with the University of Oklahoma for my senior season. And then I was fortunate enough and blessed to be able to become the 186 pick in the 2013 draft to the Steelers. So, you know, I, I get an opportunity, right? I'm, I'm pretty much living out my, my childhood dream, 
you know, great opportunity playing with a great organization in the Steelers. Going into my second season, I get an opportunity to train with, you know, Antonio Brown, right? One of the best receivers to play the game. Um, you know, especially at that time, he was like the best in the league. So we're training. Um, in our first workout session, it was like we ran about seven 200-meter sprints. We pushed the sled the width of the football field like six or seven times, stacked with about seven 45-pound weights. And then we finished it catching the ball over like 200 times and running routes, right? So I'm completely gassed after this first workout of the day. We get back to his house and his chef prepared a meal for us and we're just, you know, chopping it up, right? He's kind of just telling me, you know, the different things, the ins and outs of the league on and off the field and kind of distractions to stay away from and kind of how to make sure that I'm taking care of my business on and off the field, kind of so to get on that trajectory, you know, that he's on. So I'm just soaking up all the information. But then it gets to the point of the conversation where he asked me, he said, he says, so JB, he says, who are you? And I took a pause and I'm like, all right. Like, I'm not necessarily sure like what's going on in his mental because in my mind, I'm like, he must have forgotten the fact that I spent an entire year with him already on the same football team. Right. Like he must have forgotten the fact that I sat directly next to him in the meeting rooms. You know what I mean? So I'm so shocked that he asked me this question that I fired back at him. And I'm like, I'm a football player. And then like he smirked a little bit. He looked straight at me in my eye. And he was like, no, you're not. He was like, don't. He was like, don't let this game do that to you. And then I never really paid him any attention until um, about after that season, I was ended up being released and I got picked up off of waivers to the Buffalo Bills. And uh, going into uh, my second week in training camp, I, I uh, broke my foot. So I broke my fifth metatarsal. So now that sat me out for an entire year rehabbing. I actually was rehabbing out in Vegas. And uh, while I was rehabbing out in Vegas, I was getting some, you know, I'm trying to get back into the league. Um, you know, it's about to be the beginning of the next season. I was getting some talks from like the Texans, uh, Patriots, um, just to bring me into camp, uh, work me out and give me a shot at in camp. So I'm just trying to, you know, just stay in shape. And I'm doing one-on-one drills at UNLV uh, with a few college guys that were just, you know, getting ready for their season. So I'm just trying to compete, stay in shape, do one-on-ones. And, you know, doing a one-on-one drill, I'm running a post and I tore my quad, right? Like it felt like a, something up somebody had just like knifed me across my quad. So I tear my quad. Now that sat me back out for about a season. And so now I'm two seasons out of the league. I get an opportunity to play across the border, right, over in, in Canada for the Toronto Argonauts. And my whole thought process was just to go over there, get tape, show that I can still compete to get back into the league, really to get my third year in the league. And short, shortly after that, I get an opportunity. I'm in camp, second week in the camp. I, I tear my psoas, which is like the ligament that connects your groin to your abdomen. So now three season ending injuries in a row. I'm back, I'm back home on the couch, right, depression, fear, anxiety, Right, the unknown, the uncertainty. Here I am in a, a major transition that I didn't prepare for, and, and and now that that question that AB, you know, or that conversation that I had with AB, is now kind of re, 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 uh, rekindling itself. Right, it's, it's now coming back into my mind, like it's coming to the forefront when I'm brushing my teeth. It's like, who are you? Who are you? And what used to get me was the fact that I could no longer even say I was a football player. Right, I can no longer even go on the. I can no longer use it as a crutch and just say, all right, just say I was a football player cool. Like I couldn't do that anymore. So now I have to go into this re- like rediscovery process. Like I have to figure out, you know, like who I am, right? Like what are my interests? You know, where do I see myself going in the next 10 years? Where do I see myself going, you know, and then starting to dial that back? Like where do I see myself going in the next 10 weeks, next 10 days? And then after coming up with a few different, you know, a few different ideas, especially with the help of a mentor, mentor-mentee relationship that I grew with the local business owner, he really challenged me monthly. Like even to this day, he still challenges me monthly, we meet monthly. And he was just telling me to really, you know, go back into your history, like figure out 
What was the process that allowed you to make it to the NFL? And then once you figure out what those principles were, what those steps were, apply those same principles into whatever it is you're trying to do into uh, in your next career. Right. And at the time, I didn't really know what that was. But when he gave me that, uh, when he kind of told me that he just gave me that nugget, right, that nugget of information, then that automatically allowed me to start to kind of replay pretty much the first 20 at the time, 24 years of my life, 25 years of my life. And and it allowed me to realize, OK, I had set out at a young age. I'd already known exactly what I wanted to do. Right. And then I went into a process of investing into time. Right. Playing Brandon Warriors, right? Playing, you know, spending hours out of the day, every single day, playing a sport multiple times a day at some time. So getting that time and investing into myself academically and athletically, right? Because even when we went, like you said, we went to school together. So in high school, you know, I wasn't able to play on the basketball team, right? I wasn't able to play on the basketball team because I got pulled off because my grades dropped. That was probably one of the biggest blessings that happened for me because it was it was such a, a great moment because my brother, he was very, very talented, um, very athletic, had an opportunity to go play D1. He didn't get that opportunity. He wasn't able to capitalize on that opportunity because of academics. I got pulled off the basketball team the same semester because of my academics. And I watched my brother miss out on opportunity because of that. So here I am thinking, okay, I'll, I just have to invest in myself um, athletically, right? And here I'm sophomore year getting looks at, you know, some colleges, um, so I'm thinking I'm just going to be able to just, you know, you know, the whole athlete deal, right? Just they'll pass me along and I'll just be able to, to kind of continue to invest in myself carrying out. But it was that time that allowed me to realize that I didn't necessarily have to invest in myself academically, but I had to invest in myself uh, physically, but I had to invest in myself academically. Right. And that's the same thing that I'm doing now. Like I, it's not the, it's not necessarily what I do now is not necessarily a physical investment, right? It's not like I'm working out all the time, but now that physical investment is now turning into reading it's turning into, you know, it's getting exposed to uh, different, to, you know, other great minds. Um, it's turning into um, just being around great people. So it's still investing, but in a different way. And then, you know, it allowed me to realize that, okay, when I was investing in myself academically, when I started to invest in myself physically, right, there was also a call in my life to be able to add value to others, right? So I remember at a time where, especially in high school, I would go in Miss Ames' class, uh, Miss Eric, uh, Miss, Miss Amos' class, I believe her name was. Um, and she was a cheerleading coach and she also helped out with us uh, like Special Olympics. So she would, uh, she, I remember she, you know, I said, hey, Justin, would you mind helping out with the kids? You know, they, they would love to have you in the class. So, and when I remember doing those steps and seeing how much value it brought to the kids in the class, right? My peers, right? People that were pretty much my peers. So that kind of allowed me to then now at this present time realize, okay, now I need to be able to add value with the information or with the investment that I'm making in myself you know, the, the different exposure, the, the different communities that I'm being exposed to, the different, you know, CEOs, the different coaches that I've been exposed to, the programs, right? Now it's my, it's my obligation and it's my responsibility to be able to add value to my community, wherever, I, wherever that is, with the information, with the resources, with the experiences that I have been able to kind of accumulate over my career. So that's what I do now today. Um, as far as, you know, whether it's through speaking, uh, whether it's through coaching, whether it's through consulting work, workshops, you know, one-on-one, just dealing with student athletes and coaches, making sure that I'm adding value to make sure to help them in their development. And then the last one of the last principles, as I'm trying to tie this all together, um, is just to make sure that I'm executing on all those processes, right? I'm making sure that every day I wake up, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I'm affirming who I am, you know, I'm, I'm reading and I'm listening to it, right? I'm, I'm getting my time in, you know, spiritually with God. You know, just kind of to, to really build off of that base and then, you know, continue to execute on the investment process every day. Right. Whether that's reading, whether that's, you know, doing something like this and kind of creating, you know, just creating value and creating different things um, for student athletes and coaches. Right. And then 
you know, adding value, right? Making sure that I'm adding value throughout the day, whether that's sending out a video, whether that's, you know, training a, a wide receiver or, um, you know, whether that's, you know, doing something like this, doing consulting work and then making sure, again, executing every day. So that's pretty much how I tied in uh, my story to my principles because going back to pretty much how everything started, I got to this place because I had defined who I was just as a student. I mean, excuse me, as an athlete. And I realized that that wasn't necessarily, I mean, it was good, but it wasn't going to get me to great, right? Getting me to great was going to be, you know, the triple double, right? As I've heard someone explain it, right? Having, you know, understanding who you are wholly as a, as a student or as a person first, like understanding your principles, understanding your morals, understanding, you know, the certain non-negotiables that you have, and then understanding, and then, you know, defining who you are as, as a person first, then getting into the process as a student, then as an athlete, um, and then making sure you're, you know, adding value and, and, and then executing every single day. So that's kind of how I bring it back full circle, first full circle. Um, and that's pretty much what I do today. Man, you took us on a journey. I know I, I love that, the, the background and the stories um, and especially like the, the insights, because like you've got to see a lot. Or, excuse me, you got to see a lot. Right. And one of the things that we always talk about is like, getting exposure to the world outside of Delaware. And so like one of those things like really hit me. I'm like, wow, like you went through, you know, being a top player in the country to then being a top player in college to then being a leader on your team to a bowl game to then being right beside one of the best NFL wide receivers at the time and learning directly from him and not just from him on the field, but from him off the field. So those things, like you went through a lot of transition in, you know, the 28 years or 29 that you've been here. So it's like, as I'm thinking, I'm like, wait a minute, like, which one of those have been the hardest for you? Like, because I, the first one? No, I said the hard, I was not finished. I was going to answer your question. Yeah, I was going to say the hardest, the reason I asked that is because a lot of times I feel like nobody really thinks about that stuff. Like nobody thinks about like, oh, well, I'm, you know, trying to get to the league and like, this is the trajectory. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, wait, but then I got injured and now I'm going to get back on and it's just going to be this long. And then you get injured again and you're like, well, it's going to be this long. And then it just keeps winning out. And it's like, wait a minute, when am I supposed to get back on? So for the student athletes who are thinking like, oh, wow, like this is my only thing. Like, can you talk to them about like what that hardest transition was like just to kind of give them some understanding of, hey, like this ain't all sunshine and roses and you got to work through some stuff. Yeah, I mean, Trav, honestly, I, I think, you know, that kind of situation that you just touched on is that was the hardest part, right? Because transitioning to college, I, I knew I, what college I was going to. I knew I was on scholarship. I knew my opportunity, right? I kind of knew what was, was going to happen, right? Transitioning even to the league to, to a certain extent. Like I kind of had to, I had to transfer from Penn State to OU, right? There was a situation that took place, right? A scandal that took place, unfortunately. And, you know, so so kind of that situation was a transition. It was a struggle and it was a, a challenge in itself. And then kind of going to, you know, a new environment and then going throughout that season. Of course, all the different stressors that come with pre, you know, pre-draft and not being, you know, not being invited to the combine. So, you know, I did have some stressors that that was a difficult transition, but the biggest transition and the most difficult one was that one when, you know, like you said, three season ending injuries in a row. I'm literally working, working out and rehabbing just to get injured again at the beginning of the season. So mentally, I'm already being fatigued, 
you know, physically my body's breaking down, um, like by the day. At the same time, I'm going through a lot of, you know, a lot of personal struggles off the field, um, dealing with family. And so, you know, that was the hardest transition. So like once I came back home from, uh, from Toronto, you know, that was, I mean, it was as if, you know, life had like stopped, you know what I mean? Like life has stopped for me. And it was just like, you know what, you have to kind of start this new life. Like you have to create a new life for yourself. Is it going to be hard? Absolutely. Is it going to be sleepless nights? Is it going to be tears? Absolutely. But you have to create this new life. Like you can't, um, like there was a point where I was just like, I was going to, I wouldn't say give up, but I was just going to settle for what people in my community were kind of doing. You know what I mean? Like here I was, I came back home, you know, and it was like, okay, it was like, hey, become this. So you should do this. You should do this. And I'm just like, that's not really, I, I, that's not really what I see for myself. That's really not me. You know, I, like you said, the exposure, like I was able to be around high, you know, high level executors, you know, from owners for, to, 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 you know, administrative assistants, people that are in the front office, you know, to great coaches, great captains, I mean, the teammates that I play with, like I'm able to be it. So people that were just executing at a high level to then to now come back home and then now and the, just the the status quo around here, like you said, in Delaware, it's just like, you know, work for Christiana Care, you know, and no, no, nothing wrong with that. Like there's nothing wrong with that or, you know, hey, go, go, you know, go do this job or do this job because everybody's doing it. And I'm like, you know what? I don't, I, I kind of, I've always been, someone that was, you know, a hard worker and driven with passion. I've always had passion about something. That's what's always driven me to work hard, sacrifice, be disciplined. So I had to find out, you know, what I could kind of be disciplined in. And that was the hardest thing because when you're, when you, you know, people call, and, and I don't like to use this because I have the respect that I have for veterans, but people say, you know, I've even heard, you know, this, you know, a real estate mogul, um, he actually, his name, uh, Jamal King, nine to five millionaire. He's an officer that, also is a great, you know, real big in real estate, right? Has a lot of multiple companies. He was also a former student athlete and he played all the way up to college. And he was saying how once he didn't get drafted, he kind of had PTSD and he calls it post-traumatic sports disorder, right? When you, when you pretty much wrap, you wrap your identity into, you know, sports, right? And kind of like with people in the veterans, just, and again, I, don't, I know there's a lot of big differences, but you go into the army, right? And you do what you do. Right. You carry out missions. You do what you do. You're trained. You're programmed. I'm an, like I'm, I'm literally bringing brainwashed to just be an, uh, someone in the army to carry out orders to do this. And then when you go back into regular civilian life, you're like, wait a second. This this what is this? Like I've been trained and programmed for maybe four to five years or maybe some people that stay longer, 10 to 20 years. Right. But the same thing that I, I, I kind of relate that to sports in some way, because for 25, 26 years of my life, right, always it was sports. Sports, 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 sports. And it's different in football or in sports than it is in another career because if you want to be a doctor, if you want to be a lawyer, you can start that at a young age. You can start learning and going to camps. And that can you can literally still do that at the age of 60, 70, until you retire, like later. In sports, you're already working backwards. You're trying to work. You're, you're literally sacrificing all this time, the same amount of time, if not more, because your trajectory happens a lot quicker. So you might be sacrificing the same amount of time, if not more, to get the same reward, right? Or the same benefit, depending on the career. And the, you know that the lifespan is not going to take you past maybe 40. Like Tom Brady's already pushing, but that's the max. You still have a good 40 years left of your life, 40 to, you know, 50 years left of your life, right? Hopefully. So so by just, just saying that to kind of tie back into, I think that that was the biggest, uh, the hardest transition um, was having to figure out, okay, I have to kind of 
not step away from sports, but I just have to figure out how, like, who am I going to be, you know, on the second quarter of my life, right? And I tried to step away from sports, but it, me being so connected to sports and football, I couldn't do it. Like, I just couldn't do it. So then I said, okay, well, how can I, you know, what, what's the best way that I can use my story, use my um, my experience, use, you know, some of my success, but even more so my, you know, the things that I could have done better, right? My limitations, my failures to help the next people coming up, the next athletes to not only become better, you know, athletes, but become better people, become better students, become better people in their community. Because if you do that with athletics and you have more athletes that are more well-rounded, right? They understand themselves. They understand how they apply themselves. They understand, you know, kind of what their calling is outside of sports. Then you're going to have a lot more, you know, creative companies. You're going to have a lot more, you know, people doing the works like LeBron, right? You're going to have a, little, a lot more of those athletes or, or Chris Paul, right? You know, even I heard, heard something other, Stephon Marbury, what he does, you know, in his community. You know, so you're going to have a lot more athletes like that instead of seeing athletes, you know, that unfortunately, because they don't know who they are, you know, they, they spent 10 to 12 years in the NBA or an NFL, and now they're out on the street. Right. Or now they're out going through and they're going through a lot of mental strains because, you know, they they did. They, they made it to the highest level of their profession. But when they got there, it was like, hey, you you know, and I say this sometimes I always quote this from, you know, from the Bible. I say, you know, what profit of the man to gain the whole world, but you lose your soul. Right. And, and I think that you lose your soul because you don't know who you are. Right. You were chasing after everything external, but then internal, you were a failure. Right. Internal, you never really felt you never really built anything. So. Once you once you got tested, or once there was adversity that came in your career, or once your career did come to an end, you had to hit that transition. Now you don't know who you are, right? Because you didn't have the principle, you didn't have the morals, you didn't have you know the different things that that to, to kind of build your foundation off of. And the first moment that that storm came, that foundation that was built on sand, it, it washes away. So um, I think that that was the hardest transition, and that's what I try to do now is to try to assist student athletes and coaches or even parents of student athletes to help, you know, them help them, you know, help the student athlete or the coach or themselves through that transition. Um, because like I said, for the student athlete, whether it's in high school when it stops, whether it's in college or whether it's, you know, eventually whenever your career is done over professionally, you're going to hit that transition piece. And it's, and it's better to have, I'm not saying it's not going to be hard, but it's at least, it's, it's going to help you out to have a, a plan, right? Like a game plan um, to, to, to kind of tackle that transition um, instead of hitting it with uncertainty. Like, I, okay, I know I'm going through a transition, but this is the process I'm going to stick to. I know who I am. I know my morals. I know my principles. I know my talents. And I know what industry, and more specifically, what position in the industry what, what, what would best suit me, right? So just kind of having a plan to cut down the, the years of wandering and the, the you know, the, the, the depression and um, a lot of the different things that you see, unfortunately, in the news, a lot about former athletes um, or people that were associated with athletics. Yeah. And, and one thing that's that's coming to my mind right now as you're talking about helping people like figure out who they are as a person, like, how do you do that? Like, because as I'm sitting here, I'm like, OK, like and maybe this is, is tying into one of the points we have, but maybe we could get to it now and the disc assessment that you took me through. And that's one thing that I even talk, I talked about it on the happy hour last week. I talked about it uh, with a bunch of people that I've been doing business with. I've talked about it with other podcast interviewees and it's something that I found super helpful. So is that one of the ways that you kind of use tools to, to kind of help people find who they are? Or can you talk to us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So, I mean, before I had gotten introduced to that tool, um, I was just really doing a lot of self-help. Right. I was reading books. I was listening to a lot of different speakers, um, you know, motivational speakers or just even any speaker. Right. Pastors, um, anything that I could listen to to kind of 
re, kind of reshape my mind, right? And this is when I just came back home off of being injured. But, you know, I was kind of listening to just, just, like I said, meditating, praying, you know, just reading books, doing a lot of different self-help. So it kind of started to reshape my mind to kind of just open up to different things outside of sports. And then I started to get, and then one of the biggest things that I did is I got involved in the community. You know, it's Breathe University and it's also ran by the man uh, named Dr. Eric Thomas, right? So ETA and Associates, shout out to the whole ETA fam and uh, all the coaches in Extreme Execution. And, you know, I had kind of been familiar with ET and hearing his videos, um, especially, and it was definitely some videos that helped me get through some of those college workouts, 5 a.m. But, you know, I, I hadn't really heard too much. I haven't really been listening to him that much. And then I went to a conference um, that he had in Dallas. And, it's, and this is, not, I wouldn't say it's crazy, but this is kind of like how God works to me, I believe, because I went, I went to that conference last year around, around this time. Well, yeah, around March. Went to this conference last year around March. You know, I heard him speak. It was a great conference, you know, networking, perfect, right? And then he, he was kind of talking about a tool that he uses to help people figure out their strengths, like their talents, you know, their strengths where they may be limited and how they apply themselves, right? And to, for me, as being someone in transition and trying to really figure out, okay, I need to know what the, what's going to go on. Like, what's the next step? Like, I need to figure out where am I talented at? Like, where are my limitations? How do I apply myself? How do I communicate? How do I like to be communicated to? And, and so once understanding this and like, okay, he has a tool, that's when I reached out and I wanted to kind of get, take. I wanted to take the questionnaire Right. And when I took the questionnaire and I read the report, I mean, it was spot on. You know what I mean? It, 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 it was spot on in the way that I applied myself. It was spot on in the way that, you know, because one thing I like about this tool, different than like the Myers-Briggs and different other assessments, is that, you know, it talks about your adaptive. Right. It doesn't tell you about it. Doesn't, it talks about, you know, your strengths and your limitations. But then it talks about, you know, how you adapt when you're in a comfortable, natural environment and then how you adapt when you're in um an uncomfortable setting, right? So it started to kind of pretty much direct me to why I was adapting, like why I was, you know, acting in certain ways and applying myself certain ways in different environments. So, you know, and I'm still using this tool today to kind of just figure out more more and more things about myself. But at the same time, I did get, I got certified to actually become a coach along with this program. So I, I use this tool to help student athletes and coaches not only understand like how they apply themselves and their behaviors, but most importantly, understand the communication style of the coach to the athlete or the athlete to the coach or the parent to the, to the, to the athlete or the athlete to the parent. Because what, what we fail to do sometimes as humans is we try to communicate to someone the way that we like to be communicated to. Right. And that's probably one of the biggest mistakes that you can make in communication. Right. The, the key is to understand your style, like how you like to communicate, how you apply yourself and then understand and then try as quick as you can try to understand the communication style of the, the, the teammate, the coach, the parent. Right. The athlete. Right. So so understanding their style and then saying, OK, let me try to match my style or let me meet them where they are. That way, it's not like I'm trying to get what I want. I'm actually meeting them that where they are. I'm giving them the information the way they like to be, the way they like to receive it, right? I'm putting them in environments that they like to be in, and that way, it's going to produce. It's going to get the most out of that athlete. It's going to get the most out of that coach. It's going to get the most out of that parent or the organization. So that way, you know, in communication is probably one of the most the biggest problems in in just in in humans, right? So when you can fix the communication in an organization and, and you know between a parent and an athlete, between coaches. Uh, between athletes and teammates, that that just cut down half of the problems, right? And at the same time, when you're able to put 
student athletes and when you're able to put coaches in different positions going off of the way that they, you know, they tend to behave or, or the, t- the way that they tend to apply themselves. And now it's something that comes natural to them. You know, that's when you're going to see the, the most benefit, you know, in your organization, amongst your, t- your athletes, um, in your team. Right. For, for Let me give you an example. Myself. Right. Growing up, you remember, you know, how I was. I didn't say too much. I didn't say too much. Right. Even even when I was given that captain role, I let you, Joey, every, everybody else that was comfortable with speaking. You guys are cool off that. Right. I was the one that was just like, I'm going to just get put this work in and people I'm going to lead by, you know, my work ethic or, or you know, what my, my play. Right. So understanding that that's how I led and understanding and understanding that that's how, you know, specific people will lead in your team. Right. You might have someone that is just a leader by their work ethic. So you might want them to be able to want to be the leading pre-practice stuff, post-practice stuff. You might have a guy on your team or a girl on your team that is very extroverted and is a people person and really gets the team riled up. So that's the one that you can, hey, now is the time for you to get, you know, galvanize the team and rile them up, right? You might just have a, a, someone on your team that is supportive of the pace of each and every single player or a coach is supportive. So this could be the coach that is literally can be flexible with the different personalities and with the different styles that the, you know, the different people, that, that your different athletes or, or coaches behave themselves. So they can kind of be the jack of all trades just for your team, right? Or you, and then you can have the one in the team that loves to make the decisions, right? They just love to have, I want to make all the decisions. I want to tell this player what to do, right? And so you can put people in position going off of the way that they behave themselves and at the same time allow them to understand, you know, this is this is the great quality that you have. But at the same time, if you don't, if you're not careful, this quality can also work against you. Right. And that's what I talk about with that adapter. So it's a phenomenal tool. Um, and I could spend all day kind of working through it and giving it personal examples. But it's a phenomenal tool that I, I'm just adding on to uh, what I do uh, in, 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 in my business. So uh, with with the speaking. Right. So just being able to consult as well as um, to speak to student athletes, you know, it's been been phenomenal, um, especially as far as and, and the different reviews that I've been getting from the parents and the coaches have been great. That's dope. And as I'm like looking at, I have mine up too. As I'm looking at this, I'm like, wait a minute. So like it says my natural style is higher than my adapted style. So as I'm like interpreting this, I'm looking at it. I'm like, wait a minute. So does that mean when I go into environments, I change and I close up more? Like this is something I wanted to do too. This was the surprise. I wanted to take people in. I'm like, hey, I'm pulling down the curtains. I want to show people like what mine looks like. So that way they can get an understanding one, who I am a little bit better. But then two, that way we can just say like, okay, like this is, this is an example from him. We can like see it. And I, I want to see you be able to, to, to help guide me on the fly. So this was the surprise. Perfect. So what I want to do and what I'll do now, Chad, since you just surprised me, I'm going to pull up uh, yours myself. Oh, the opposite side? Well, yeah, because what I want to do is I want to go to the word association chart, right? We, see, we can see the graph, but I think what kind of makes it different than a lot of other assessments is that once you pull up that word association chart and you start to really connect the words to the to the bars, that's when, you start, mm-hmm. that's when it starts kind of hitting home, right? So, I was about to say, I, it didn't fully hit yet. I'm still looking at it. I'm like, wait a minute. You want to take the screen? <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Um... So we can so so if you go back to your graph, this one, yep. So you were talking about how your your eye, right? You're talking about how your your naturally your eye is about about like a ninety two, right? And there's no good or bad scores. And then you you adapt down a little bit when you get to to work, right? So the first thing that you you think about is like, okay, well, what is it about work that's making you adapt, right? Usually the things that make you adapt is the stress, 
right? It's it's, it's a pressured environment. You're being observed, mm-hmm. right? And it's different than how you are when you're at the house and you are around people you feel comfortable with. You're being natural, right? And again, it's it's okay to adapt because adapting that, that might be what's required for your job, right? It might be what's required in a, in a, in a high pressure environment. But the only thing about adapting too long is when you adapt too long mm-hmm. and you're not being your natural self, right? Now that creates stress. Now you might not be able to be as neat or, or be as clean at work as you normally typically are because you're doing it so long. Right now you might be starting to bring work home, right? So now you're creating stress. So you either have to find a way, right? You either have to find a way to put a system in place to offload the things that are making you stressed out at work, or you can find someone else that might be better at what is causing you stress, but they come more, it's more natural to them, right? So you get how that's the connection of putting people in position to kind of make them, uh, to kind of help them thrive in the positions that are most comfortable to them. Does that make sense? I didn't even realize this until looking at the uh, descriptors page. DISC stands for Dominance, Influencing, Steadiness, and Compliance. I never put two and two together. Those are four segments, yep. Oh my, I'm, it's crazy out here. I'm doing the action plan and trying to like look at stuff and now I'm over here like, wait a minute. Like, I feel like I should have asked Justin this, but to no end, here we are. So can you see this now? So yeah, so as you can see, right, and we're just going to stay on the I column for today. Um, you see that, you know, naturally it says you were at about a 93, right? Yeah. Or 92, 90, yeah, something like that. Right, 92. And then you adapted down to like an 83, right? Yeah. Or 80-something. I can't really see it. For your graph, for this situation, you pretty much stay pretty true to self. Usually when you look for coaching is when somebody is, the, the, the point margin is greater than 10, right? So it's pretty much saying that you stay fairly true to yourself in your natural and and when you are at work. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, kudos for Trav. So, but the only thing, I mean, one of the things is like, we always want to connect and make sure that the graph or the word association is always going to go back to your goal or is always going to go back to a challenge that you're having, right? So for instance, if you're having a challenge at your job from, you know, it could be, you know, just, just give me a potential challenge that you might have right now. Dealing with clients who want everything and not paying you any money. Okay, perfect. So we could say, all right, so you know, it's, it's, it's financial, right? So you're trying to, uh, it's with clients with your business. Now, naturally, right, you are magnetic, right? Pretty much you're inspiring, you attract people, just the energy you give off. But then it's what it's saying, you know, when you come down to, when it's saying when you come down to your adaptive, it says that you can pretty much go to being, so it says you're going from magnetic to now maybe being, let me, once I get this word chart. Yep, there it is. So you go from magnetic to maybe just being persuasive or convincing, right? And then it could be, so then the question would be, all right, well, you know, how is this working for you? How is magnet or how is convincing working for you? Because when you're in an adaptive environment, when you're negotiating a deal, that's not a natural setting, right? That's not a natural setting that you're conducting business. You're being, it's, you know, someone's watching you, right? You're having a dialogue with the client. You're being observed, right? They're trying to get a feel for you, right? And it's saying that no longer do you now be you're magnetic. Now you're just trying to be maybe persuasive or convincing, right? And then it's okay, well, and so then I would say, okay, well, how is that working for you? Can you do you, first? I would ask if you agree with it. You agree with you know yourself being persuasive or convincing, and then you say, hey, yes or no. We can work through that, right? If it's helping you, if you being persuasive and convincing is helping you you know, overcome that challenge of trying to get clients to be able to, you know, commit to your program or commit to your service, then if that's helping you, then let's stay there and let's put a plan together. But if there's another, if there's another word that you feel like you might need to be on this chart, right? On in this segment of the eye, 
right? Then we try to make sure, okay, if you feel like you need to be a little bit inspiring, you need to be magnetic, what do we need to do to kind of get you to that point? What is kind of restricting you from being inspiring and magnetic? Because that's the only gap that is keeping you from closing that deal, right? And there's a lot of different ways that we can play off like this. You know, there's four different, as far as with the coaching program, there's, we spent about four, our first four sessions are, you know, pretty much understanding how you apply yourself in those four quadrants, right, that you just mentioned earlier, right, with the disc. And then it's okay, and we're always tying it back to your goal, right? And then you go to working out a plan, right? Are you in alignment, right? Are you in a proper alignment with what you're trying to achieve, right? Are you aware, right? And then um, you're just making sure that, you, you know, you're kind of stay along that plan. So there's a lot of different ways that you can go with, that, with the coaching program that, that we offer. Um, but this is kind of just one of the ways, like I said, you know, there's a lot of different pieces of this report that you can go through, but everybody needs a coach, right? Even the most highest um, executors of executors all need a coach, right? I've been watching The Last Dance a lot and, you know, even Michael Jordan, right? He wanted, he know he needed Phil Jackson and this is the best player in the world, but he know he needed somebody that was going to give him a different angle and give him a different approach. And it's, and it's funny because I'm really trying, I'm breaking down The Last Dance and I'm going to be pretty much doing blogs off of it, kind of pretty much discussing these styles and, and how pretty much how um, it affected that team, right? When I think about the last dance now, when I think about it, as I'm taking notes, you know, Krause, the he was he was a high D, right? But he was immature, right? Because he didn't he didn't take a lot of time to learn. He he saw all of his players as assets, right, or liabilities, right? He didn't even when the time this is the past recent episode, he wasn't thinking about you know taking care of Scottie Pippen. He was thinking about the future and Tony Tony Kukoc, and even Jordan was like he's not even worried about his own, his own boys. Like he's not even worried about his own. Jerry was, I mean, Cross was always thinking about, you know, the money. Right. And so this helped him because it did allow him to build a great team, but then it, it, it kind of was a limitation because it was one of the reasons why the team fell apart. Right. He wasn't, he wasn't aware enough of, Hey, I'm trying to make the best deal for this organization. But at the end of the day, I'm ruining my relationship with the people that play for me. Right. Or then even if you talk about Michael Jordan, high D right. Driving ambitious, pioneering, strong-willed, all these things. And then you, if you go deeper into that, what I like about this, um, what I like about The Last Dance is that it goes into why he, how he was formed that way. Youngest, probably one of the youngest of siblings, right? Grew up, parents, hard workers, told him to always compete, right? He used to get in fights with his brothers for playing games. You know, so that competitive edge was, that grew up in his background. Scottie Pippen, the supporter of the team, right? So to me, Scottie Pippen would have been a high S, right? Because of his steadiness. Someone like a Kawhi Leonard doesn't say much. The great supporter, right? Michael Jordan said that he was, he was the best supporting gas he could ever had. Pretty much kept the glue together, right? And then you think about, okay, well, where does this come from? Why, does, why was Scottie Pippen like, how did he start to apply himself like this? He was big family. Two of his relatives were wheelchair bound at the age when he was in high school. So he already grew that supporter role in his family. And this was great because it allowed him to then kind of have those, you know, like that work ethic, right? That I have to work, blue collar mentality. You know, he went to college and was a manager, right? So he was supporting each and every single player before him on that team before he could even be a part of the team officially, right? So now when he, now he gets the confidence, he goes, he has a great college season. He goes to the Bulls. Now he's still in that supportive role, right? And it's cool because he's having a great career. They're winning championships. But now on the back end, when you need to be, when it comes to business and you need to really be focusing on yourself and really taking advantage of, you know, monetizing, you know, and, 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 you know, looking at yourself as an asset, he wanted to just be what? I'm going to just be what's natural to me. And I'm just going to allow, I'm, I'm going to take the minimum. I'm just going to take some money to take care of my family, not understanding that he can be valued way more than that. Right. And then once he realizes that he got 
you know, this was a limitation because he wasn't aware of the fact that he was actually worth more than that. And Jerry was cutting him on the back end. So now that's when you realize that, okay, being supportive is all good. But now when, when it starts to look, now I'm not able to take care of my family like I thought I was. Now that's a challenge, right? So, um, and even with Dennis Rodman, right? Dennis Rodman, high eye, man. He got gold hair. He's inspiring, magnetic. He's always like out. He's, you know, controversial, you know, and, but then it goes back. What, where, where did this stem from? Where does this stem from, right? His upbringing, you know, he, he wasn't, he didn't get brought up in the best environment, right? He was talking about how he was around, you know, different drugs and different crime and different things at a young age. That, that affects your development, right? That affects how you view life. So now he, then he gets to, you know, college, um, you know, he goes to college, he excels, you know, he's quiet. And he even says, he says, you know, when he, when he got to the, the NBA, that's when that personality started to come. Right. Because he, you know, you know, real quiet, modest, conservative. But then you get into the NBA and you have these different issues that you might not have addressed, you know, from your upbringing. Now that forces you to now kind of go back to, you know, act out. And so in, in such a way. Right. So to speak. So people could say, oh, Dennis Rodman is this, this and that. He was just being himself. To, you know, he was this. That's how he applied himself. Right. He, he's, he likes the attention. He likes to kind of express himself differently. Right. And so the fact that they had Phil Jackson, someone who was able to. Understand the I, understand the D, understand the S and Scotty, understand and able to keep them together and able to kind of work with them specifically. Like they all have great relationships with Phil. It wasn't like Phil played favoritism. He had, he was able to kind of construct them and keep them all together. And I believe that, you know, with this tool, right, you can now, it, like the like the last dance, and that's what I'm saying, I'm going to be able to do blogs and stuff. Like is a reason why they had such great success. They had people in the right positions. Even even though they had an owner that was not necessarily, you know, he made a lot of great decisions, but they see he's still good enough to put Phil Jackson and to to get that team together to order to get those championships. And when you go deeper into it, it was a lot of different things on the back end, talk, even starting from way how they were raised up that kind of contributed to, you know, the different things that that kind of rose up in the development and what went on in their careers, even off the court. So I, I just think that's, I mean, I know I'm kind of rambling about the tool, but um, that's just the value that I can see with, with this tool. No, nah, I think it, you ain't rambling, bro. I think the, the value in it is that like, if you start to think about how these elite athletes who are at the top of their game came together and how the coach was able to look at the personalities specifically and adapt and realize that they needed that cohesiveness to operate functionally as a team. I think this is something that can be applied to anywhere. Yeah. It can be applied to a sports team, can be applied to an internal team at a company. You could do this with your sales team. You yeah. could do this with your marketing team. You could do this with your engineering team. You could do it with your product team. You can do it with operations. Like you think about all the things that people have inside of them naturally, and then you figure out how to apply it to your company and your mission and your organization like all this stuff that you're talking about it's like it's it's easier for people to understand if they could think like oh like michael jordan was a high d like that makes sense right like if if people can think like that then it'll be easier for them to be like oh wait dennis rodman's a high i wait i'm a high i does that but also as i think about it, i'm like all right well i didn't have the same upbringing you know grew up in the suburbs and don't like dyeing my hair however there are a lot of things that we do have similarities with, right? But everything isn't exactly the same. But 
I can still see like, oh, wow, like I could definitely see, you know, me being like, yeah, I like attention sometimes. And I, I like to be, you know, optimistic and I'm someone that, that likes and loves to build trust. So it, it naturally makes sense as to why I just naturally fall into cer- certain situations, whether it be, you know, at work, on the job or externally, personally, like it's just how I am. Right. So mobile, I'm laughing at the steadiness because I'm looking at mobile. I'm like, wait a minute. Like I'm always moving. I'm always on the go. I'm always active. Like I can't, if I sit still for too long, I feel like something's wrong. Right. So all these things, like it's, it's super clear to me as I'm looking at this, that it's such an important factor to have a tool to help you define who you are. And the reason I say this is because you're talking to someone who journals actively, who meditates often, who reads often, who literally has a whiteboard next to him, usually at all times to like try to talk through ideas. So like for, for somebody like me, like I, to not have something to go to, I could just get lost in the personal development, self-development journey. And that's another reason why I have this podcast. It's because it's one of the best forms of self-improvement and self-development that I've ever come across. And I think it's one thing that a lot of people are are just starting to see. And like, again, this is just me getting on my high horse for a second. Like I I see a lot of people that are jumping into podcasting and they're doing it, but some of them don't really know why they're doing it, which is, I think is a good thing because as you have more conversations and you just start to learn and talk to people, you're learning through conversations, what you like, what you don't like. You're figuring out a way to organize your thoughts and communicate a message effectively to another person. You're figuring out how to stay organized. Like there's so many things that like running a podcast for yourself does and instills in you that I don't think any other form of self-development can do because as you, as you do this, you have conversations, like I said, like as I go through this and you just took me through this and shout out to you for, you know, taking me through this exercise and this tool. Um, but like, these are things that I think a lot more people right now, especially need to hear because as I like think about like, what are my values? What are my beliefs? And all these systems that I'm starting to, you know, try to put together for myself. It's like, what are my pillars that I go to? And it's like, wait, no, they're literally right here. And you don't have to create this new thing every time you go to reinvent yourself. Cause that's like, that's one of the things that I've struggled with, right? Like who am I at 28 post-college post multiple positions now being in this entrepreneurial space of, you know, running your own business. Like, what is that? Like, I, this is all new to me. So like, I'm like a rookie out here. Right. So yes, I've had, you know, jobs and, you know, worked on projects for companies and brands, right. Like I've been there, done those things, but then also like now this is a whole new world for me. So my transition has been like, Oh wow. Like what, this is interesting. I got to figure out ways to add value. And as I go through this, one of the biggest struggles has been how do I communicate that and who I, how do I communicate who I am to other people? And th- to be honest, that that's hard, Brody. <laughs> like as I'm thinking about like, okay, well, what do I bring to the table? Like I can happily go up here, right. And say like, Oh, like what does Travis do? Well, he's good at negotiating conflicts. He's good at motivating people towards their goals. He's a team player. 
He's people oriented. He's optimistic and enthusiastic. He's deadline conscious and he's a creative problem solver. Like if I were to package that up and then say like here, this is what you're getting. I'm like, Oh, that actually sounds like I want that. I need that. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that because a lot of organizations, um, you know, they use this tool to hire staff. Like they, they say, okay, you, okay, nice interview. Now take this assessment. So we can say that, so we can think, or we can try to match what you said to what, what, what this says. Cause you can go and do an interview and say, yeah, I'm the best at sales. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll get the revenue up and what we'll make a lot of deals. We'll close deals. But then you take this assessment and it says that you're not really good. You don't like talking to people. You know, you're not a high eye. You don't like being, you know, in your interaction with people, you know, and it says that, you know, your decision-making is very low too. So you're both low there. Wait a second. You're saying that you want to be, you're not even natural at these two things. This, this, this is telling me that you don't really like to even talk to these people, right? Like your highest is real, is really low. So before we put you in this position, yeah, you can work for a sales company, but how would you maybe think about maybe doing the backend work, right? Something that, you know, someone that's someone that follows procedures, someone that does. So you're still connected with the sales, but you're sending the emails out, right? You're, 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 you're focusing on, you know, focusing on the templates and, and making sure that those things go. So you're still working to, with that organization again in the same industry, but now I'm, now I'm getting specific with the position now as it applies to how I apply myself. Like you said, value to your organization. As you keep going, you can scroll along, you see the way your communication styles, the way you like to be communicated to, you know, the you know, check, right, checklist communi- communicating. So there's a lot of different ways that, that you can understand yourself and understand how you apply yourself. And it even talks about the adaptive part too. So there's a lot of different pages on this 22 page report that can literally help you, like you said, guide you through your, your life. You know what I mean? Like, okay, this is where I struggle at. Well, then, what, so now I know I need to str- I need to work and better in this area. For example, from my report, I, I was very low when it came to the decision making, and I was very low when it came to um, interacting with people. So I realized, okay, but I'm in a space to where I need to be able to interact with people, and I need to be able to make a lot of decisions. Right? My natural self of taking being super cautious and trying to be consistent and just kind of nice, steady pace in, in this environment, that's not what it's calling for. Right. So it's calling me for to be a little bit more pioneering. It's calling for me to be a little bit more driving. Right. And again, this isn't my natural self. So I can't do this throughout the, uh, I can't make decisions 12 hours throughout the day. Right. I'm going to be drained. I'm going to be fatigued. So I, I, I need to make most of my big decisions early in the morning keep them three or four, the rest of them. All right. They're not the major ones. I knocked them out early in the day. So now all of my energy was spent on making those decisions. Now I need to be able to kind of finish out my day. So it's either putting in a plan or putting someone in, for example, as I build out, as the company builds, there'll be somebody in position to help to make those decisions. That's a high D, right? There'll be somebody who is is speaking to people that is a high I. So now I can do the things and, and, you know, as we're lost to the company that I'm comfortable with, right? doing the sending out emails, you know, creating systems, creating programs, creating, um, you know, different things for, for, for student athletes, for coaches and, and leaving the different things and leaving the things that I'm not best at somebody else. So, and that's one of the things that we always use in coaching and in the program and say, you either create a system to help you in the places where you're limited at, or you put a place and you fill a position with somebody who is that's natural to them. And it's going to be no stress. That way you're causing yourself a lot less stress. You're putting them in position or you're creating a system to make the position better. And, and you're, you're being more productive because you're operating your natural self. Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fire, bro. I think, uh, no, nah, this is dope. And as I'm thinking, like, what can people do like, how can people get in touch with you? Like, how can people either get their hands on a test like this? Like, are there ones that they can take online? Like, how does this all work? 
Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of, that's the thing. There's a lot of different, you know, assessments that you could probably take. But the thing about taking the questionnaires and assessments, you need, again, you need a coach, right? You need somebody to coach you through all this information. Because even like you said, you just saw it and be like, oh man, I didn't even know that this and I didn't even, right. But someone that can coach you through and walk you through, okay. You know, even with sports, hey, this is the coverage you're going to see, right? This is the defense you're going to see. This is the plan to go attack that, right? So if you're, if the, if the problem is, hey, you know what? I'm trying to make this transition into a new job or I'm trying to make this transition into going to college, um, but I'm trying to, but I'm not necessarily the best when it comes to, you know, following the rules. I'm not really as structured as I should, should be. And, you know, my parents aren't going to be there. Okay, perfect. Now let's either put, we can, now let's put a plan in place, right? Let's put a system in place, right? To kind of help you stack some new habits to, so that you can be a little bit more structured going into college. Um, or we can either put somebody in position that's going to help you, right? Mentor, um, somebody in academic, academic advisor, somebody that's going to help you where you are, where, where you, where you are lacking at, right? So that way you're going to, we're going to get the most production out of you on the field. We're going to get the most production out of you in the classroom because we have systems in place to help cover up some of those blind spots, as we call it, or limitations. So I think that's what it's all about, you know, and like I said, even with myself, um, with, with people in my family, I'm using this just like to understand, okay, if I'm speaking to my brother, right, who's high, high, high D, he doesn't want to know all the, the information like I do. He wants to know two points. Okay, what happened? Well, how did this start? How did it end? I'll make my own conclusion. You know what I mean? So it's just understanding the people and how they apply themselves. I think that's just the most beneficial, you know, because communication is probably one of the most common problems that you see in relationships, period. Relationships, organizations, anything that has to do with people, it's, it usually stems from communication. So I think that that's why this school can be very valuable. If, in order to get, in, you know, in order to get involved in the program, you can definitely reach out to me at any one of the uh, social media platforms. Uh, for LinkedIn, is Justin Brown. Facebook is Justin Brown. Uh, my Twitter and my Instagram account is Justin Justin Brown underscore uh, uh, VS. So Justin Brown underscore VS and. And my website as well, uh, justinbrownvs.com, justinbrownvs.com. Uh, you can either DM me, you could fill out um, an intake form online. Um, we could definitely um, get started on helping you get to that next level and overcoming some of the challenges that you're having, as well as becoming more self-aware of yourself. My man, appreciate you as always. And I cannot wait to continue this conversation because there's a whole lot more questions that I haven't asked you yet that I want to get through. So appreciate you, my man. Um, and again, thanks for hopping on. No problem, man. Thanks for having me again. Thanks for listening to the Community Builder Podcast. If you received an ounce of value from this podcast, share it with your friends. Oh, yeah. Don't forget to leave me a five-star review. I need those. Remember, each perfectly laid brick moves you one step closer to building your community. Community.